fit for life. Your biblical pathway to success. Make this year your best year by studying to show yourself approved. Join us in our new Fit for Life classes to follow your biblical pathway to success. This is a class for everyone, whether you are a new believer or a mature believer. Every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. in the Fit for Life class. So, I just want to share just a um, quick biblical message. Uh, we have done story or our sermons on Wednesday nights have been, you know, kingdom and our biblical citizenship. And I know the last few weeks we've had. Uh, a, a great speaker who gave us the principles of, of finance and following the, uh, the, the path of getting, um, making good financial decisions. But I just wanted to share some things this morning. Some of the things you, you probably already know, but uh, it's, it's worth sharing again here. So living your best life now through uh, kingdom finances and freedom from debt. I'm going to uh, start here just real quickly with uh, John chapter 6. And just point out a couple of things here. John chapter 6, verse 7. And Philip answered him and said, 200 dinars worth of bread, Lord, is not enough for them, that every one of them may have a little. I notice the mentality there. A little. All I can see or all he saw at the moment was a little. But Jesus, verse 11, and Jesus took the loaves or the little, and gave thanks. He blessed it. He distributed it to his disciples and to those sitting down. And key part here, and they ate, what? As much as they wanted. It wasn't the little, it was the, and look, we've all been there. We've all had the, the mentality sometimes of God is, 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 we forget who we serve. We forget who our God is. But the disciples, and this is a guy who walked with God. This is a guy who heard God. This is a guy who uh, was privileged enough to hear the word and said at the master's feet. But yet his mentality as, as human was still just a little, not enough. But when the Lord takes over and we give our, our bread, as I'm going to use the loaves here. He gave us our, we, he, we gave him the loaves. And when we give him our finances, when we turn over uh, our life, our principles, our, uh, the way we do things, our habits, then what happens? God blesses, God multiplies the little or what is our perception of little. Verse 12, and when they had filled, they gathered the fragments and the leftovers, and what did they do? Now we went from little to eat all that we could possibly eat, and now, of one verse later, a few minutes later, it's abundant. They've gathered the so-called crumbs of what was little, and now they've got an overflow abundantly above. So changing our mentality of thinking that and remembering of who we serve. Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely. Now, here, here's, a, here's a key point here, is you want to know how to, have, how to live in abundance. We want to know how to live abundantly. The Bible says, I wish above what? 
all things that you prosper and be in health. Live abundantly above all we could have. Well, here's, here's your answer right here. The plans of the diligent lead to abundance. Amen. And what? And advantages. So here's, the, here's our, one of our many principles and many keys to abundance and wealth is being diligent. Now, what is diligence? Having or showing a care of true consciousness in a work or duties. And so what that is saying is that we are taking a, a, a conscious, a mental approach, a thinking about it, a planning approach to building wealth. So that's diligence. So if we are diligent in our plans, in our uh, thinking, in our preparation, and whatever we do, now this applies to many things, but we're talking about uh, abundance and, and wealth now. Then the Lord says in his word, that's what leads to your abundance. Now, why aren't we seeing that as much today as, as, uh, as I think we should? And, and, and what do we mean by that? Well, I looked it up, and it says that American households today carry about 17.3 trillion dollars in debt. To me, debt is um, is a weight. Debt is not. God wants us abundance. So if it's abundance, then abundance and debt are two two different opposite things. And I'm going to talk about: Is there time for debt? Has there been a time for debt? Yes, there has been. And I'm going to show you that in the scripture too. Just, just a quick thing here. It says, American households, and I'll repeat it again, $17.293 dollars in debt. Our government now is at 33.7 trillion, or 34 trillion. Now we're at $50 trillion world in debt. That doesn't even count what's off balance sheets around the country. 50 trillion. So the, prince, the, the mentality of the world in America, I'll just say America, and in many other nations, has not been one of, uh, I'll, I'll go back to the scripture, of diligence, uh, but it has been a, a, a mentality of, we'll just borrow, borrow, borrow. We'll go into debt. Americans had an average of $6,300 in credit card debt. The, uh, the most debt carried now is Generation X. That's actually my generation of age 42 to 57. They have the highest of all the Generation Z. Millennials is catching up fast because they're actually growing at a faster rate of debt. And they're behind Generation Z, my, my generation. And it seems the, the generation behind and behind that are actually taking more and more debt on now at an earlier age than actually my generation did. So 20 years from now, we'll be sitting at a, they'll be sitting at a totally different debt load than what we are now. The average loan pay, auto loan payment is $23,000. Mitch probably knows all this. Uh, the average new car payment is $729 a month. The average used car payment is $528 a month. What does that lead to, what we've seen? We've seen now more bankruptcies, more foreclosures, more charge-offs, more write-offs in the banking than any time in history because of debt. 
And I, I know that the gentleman probably talked about this, and I didn't hear every, every sermon he spoke to. But I'm gonna, before I go into some uh, principles of, 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 of walking out of debt and principles of just not getting there, biblical finances, I want to talk to you about paying off the debt. So the first step in paying off debt with people, my generation, that I have talked to, now my kids are not in debt because they're young and still living under my household, but I'm teaching them at an early age here about debt. Uh, I'm teaching them about credit and what the different types of credit, revolving credit and, and so forth. But the first step is understanding the total amount of debt that you owe and determine what type of debt that you have, whether if it's revolving credit card or, or mortgage or whatever. Um, and taking that and then applying some steps or applying a plan or a spending plan, as the, as the gentleman said, which I agree with. I always set a budget. My wife always said that was the dreaded B word, and it was like cussing to her. Uh, but uh, So we, we changed that now based on the other gentleman's called it a spending plan. I said, well, baby, if that, if that helps you think through things a little differently, it's the same thing to me, but if that helps you, that's what we'll call it then, a, a spending plan. Uh, what is a, and, and I know Glenn, uh, Dave Ramsey speaks of this, at least one of these, and then uh, there's another one in addition. So what is the debt snowball? It requires you to pay off debts from the smallest balance to the largest. As each debt gets paid off, you roll over the, the freed up money into your next, into your next highest. So what you do, you, you, you set your, your debts, you line them out in order, and you take the smallest amount you owe. So if it's this credit card, you only owe 500, then you've got this debt, if a car payment is this, or another credit card that's 18%, or, uh, you owe 5000 on this credit. So you start out with the, the, the smallest one. You make all three minimum payments, but the smallest debt is where you put, you find a way to pay extra if, if you've got to come up with, if it's giving up your coffee money, giving up your burger money, giving up something, but finding a way to eliminate that first one, that first $500 in debt. Once you've got that paid off, then you take the exact payment, let's say it was $100, and now because you're still making the other payments, minimum payments on these other two or three, you take that amount of money that you were paying and you apply it towards the next debt that you owe, which is the next smallest debt. Now, this debt's the smallest. Once you've paid off this one, you take the exact payment that you were paying on the second debt and the extra, and you put it on the, the third one. That's, the, that's what is called a snowball where it just continuously rolls and you continuously pay off each debt uh, as quickly as you possible. The next thing you, you would have, as I would say, would be the, the avalanche method. That, that avalanche method is really is prioritizing, again, your debts. You got one, two, three debts that you have, or one, two, whatever it works out to be. And instead of taking the smallest one, total amount, you're taking the highest interest rate. That's called the debt avalanche. The highest interest rate here, which is, let's say, 18%, then a 15%, and then my lowest one is, let's say, it's 8% or whatever. You figure out a way. To, you've got to come up with extra money. You've got to make all three payments in terms of your minimum payments so you're not going into default or you're not going into extra fees. But you're paying off your highest rate first, then you go to your second highest rate and third and third highest rate. You know, and either, either one is is a great way to pay off debt and using or using a debt app uh, to help you pay off that. Um, each one of those are good ways to pay off debt. I will say, if you need motivation, I like motivation 
I like, I'll call it in, in terms of football terms here, in my family, we call getting a win. So if I need a win, if I got to get a win, then I would say you use the, the snowball methods because it's easier to get the, a quicker one. If you don't have a problem being staying motivated, and you don't have a problem of staying to your, your plan, then I would stick with, I would go with the avalanche method simply because it pays off, uh, you pay less fees because you're paying off the, uh, the higher interest rate first. Either one of them work very well. There are many reasons why, you know, people get into debt, and some are uh, uh, valid reasons, some are not. I I'll say this, that even in the Bible, now, I am not for debt, uh, I have, although I have made money with debt as a financial planner. I'm not certified, I just, I got to clarify that, I'm not certified, I'm not some guy with a license, a broker, or anything like that. But I have made money with debt. That is not for everyone. That is not for someone. Now, I'm sure Mitch, as a businessman, if, if, if he's been in business a long time, I know he probably has made money with debt. Uh, I have myself too. But as a regular, as a normal person, until you've, but I have, I don't have credit card. I don't have a car payment. I don't have any debt myself personally. I use though debt at many times because I do work in real estate. Uh, and do real estate deals. I have borrowed to make money on a house or a piece of property or so. Now, uh, let me just uh, kind of help you with that biblically. Um, the widow woman in 2 Kings found herself in debt. Now, and had a risk of losing all her sons because her husband passed away, and she couldn't satisfy her creditors. And the Bible says that if anything, in Ezekiel, if anything is borrowed, number one, it should be paid back. If what is, bought, if what is borrowed is lost or injured, uh, full restitution must be, must be made. The Bible is clear. When, a, when you borrow something, it must be paid back. Borrowing without having a sure way of paying that debt violates the principles of surety and violates the principles of God. I'll, I'll tell you why. Second Kings here, chapter 4, verse 7, uh, says, Pay your debts. And she came and told the man of God. Now, this is with the widow woman I just referred to in, in, in Second Kings, where the widow woman, uh, her husband passed away. She's in debt. She couldn't pay her debts. And the, the prophet came by. I'm just a quick story. The prophet came by and uh, feed me first. You remember the story? And she made the little cake and, and with the oil and the cake and then fed the man of God. That's putting God first, an example of putting God first. And when you put God first in, in diligence, then what happens? We get abundance. So what happens with her? Uh, she gets abundance. Okay. He multiplies the oil so much and he says, go and borrow as many vessels as you can find. What did it say? Borrow. It said borrow. Borrow as many vessels as you can find, and I'm going to fill up every one of those vessels. And then he says, now listen to this. Uh, what I'm talking about, there is principles of debt and doing the right thing. Go, and, and she said and came to the man of God, what do I do? And he said, the man of God says, go and sell. Go and sell the oil and pay your debt. 
He didn't say keep the debt. He didn't say, God, I'm on, uh, he didn't say, I'm going to forgive the debt. He didn't, he didn't pull up, and, and I know there's a, we use, always use the coin in the fish's mouth. That's, that happened one time. One time. It happened. But God is not a genie. God is not a rub on the head, and it's going to just, it's going to pop out of the air and, and so forth. And, and, and I believe, and we pray, and Lord, bless us, bless us, bless us. And we, well, there's principles of giving and sowing and reaping. But every time, most of the times in the Bible, I heard the gold coin came out of the fish's mouth, and that was when God himself was right there, and there was a, I got to pay my taxes. Well, go take it out of the fish's mouth. This is a time where God says, I'm going to, you do first, and then I'm going to do. And then when I do, this is what you follow up with. I'm going to bless you. You're going to borrow these over here. I'm going to fill them up for you. You're going to pay your debt, and then you're going to go give them back. Without having a plan, it's sin. Without having, if you intentionally borrow something, knowing when you're not going to pay it back, that's wrong. That's sin. Sometimes borrowing is necessary, just like I just told you with the, with the widow woman. Here's another example. Uh, the sons of the prophets borrowed an axe head. Now, this is in, in 2 Kings 2. You can go back and read the stories. And the, the man borrowed the axe head to use to build a dwelling for himself. And he was chopping the wood, borrowing it. And I mean, you know, back in those days, an, an axe head was pretty valuable because it's not like you go down to the hardware store and buy one. Very valuable. So he's chopping the wood, and he swings back. And what happens? The axe head falls in the river. It's gone. He is panicking. But then the master, sticking the water, where is it? And the, the axe head begin to float. But he says, back here, alas, master, this is where he's panicking. It was borrowed. I borrowed it. Okay, that's when he's panicking because he has no way to pay, because his intentions were to pay it back. My intentions were to pay it back. But, of course, the Lord spared him, and the axe head floated, and he was able to return. I'm giving you two, a couple of principles of, of borrowing and returning in the way of God blessings here. So here's a few pr uh, practical steps to live by, and biblical financial principles, uh, just kind of uh, in stewardship. Financial management plays a significant role in our lives today. However, Christians, the concept of financial stewardship goes beyond just sheer money management. It is rooted in the biblical principles that guide every believer to manage their finances and resources entrusted to them by God. Biblical stewardships refers to responsible, faithful management of the resources God has entrusted to us, it recognizes that everything we have, what ultimately what belongs to who? It belongs to God, and that we are called to be a financial blessing and a financial steward of what God has blessed us with. Central to financial stewardship is acknowledging that God is the ultimate owner of all things. The Bible tells us the earth is the Lord's. And what everything else is in it. Faithful stewardship. As stewards, we must manage our finances with faithfulness and integrity. 
which involves the practicing of, of honesty, diligence, and wise decision-making. 1 Timothy 6 and 6 says, True wealth lies not in accumulating possessions, but in finding the satisfaction in our relationship with God Almighty by avoiding contentious greed where we focus on eternal life rather than temporal. Another founding principle of biblical finance is generosity. Uh, biblical financial stewardship encourages a spirit of generosity. As we recognize that our blessings and, are, and gifts are from God, we're inspired to share those with others. And, and generosity not only blesses us, but it blesses others and reflects the love and reflects the generosity of our Heavenly Father. The second, uh, I would say another principle would be putting God first. That, that, that financial stewardship requires prioritizing God in our finances. This includes giving to God first through, of course, through our tithes, our offerings, and the principles of tithes, of course, is the 10th in Malachi chapter 3. We acknowledge his faithfulness as a provider. Number, number three, uh, contentment and avoiding greed. Financial stewardship uh, requires learning contentment and avoiding the traps of greed. The Apostle Paul teaches, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Prioritizing, the, uh, prioritizing prior, I can't even say it, prior, priority of God and practicing faithful management. Okay, the importance of financial habits. Having financial goals is important. Without goals, it's hard to know whether we're on track or it just becomes uh, just a, a work. Goals themselves that we have aren't enough. We need to have goals, but we need to instill habits necessary for us to reach our goals. It's great to pay off a credit card, but it, until and we have a goal of paying off a credit card, and that's what we want to do. But in, before you can have pay off that, and that's a great goal to have, you have to have the good habits in order to reach that. There are many sports teams, just like today. Many, you know, there's uh, 33, 34 NFL teams, and there's two today playing for the, for the Super Bowl. Only one's going to win the thing. So many teams start out with a goal of winning a championship, but obviously not all achieve. Merely having a goal doesn't guarantee success. Goals, financial goals, that's what we're talking about today, business goals, whatever the goal may be, doesn't guarantee success. Goals simply provide a direction. They don't actually move us in that direction. That's where the habits come in. The book of James says, uh, he emphasized the need not just to understand what we need to do, but to actually do it. That's James chapter 1, 22. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks in the face, uh, is facing the mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he just said. Just, so basically what he's saying is, uh, we have all these goals of gaining here, going there, being here, being there. But until we apply the, the daily habits and principles with a plan, plans in the middle of that, and then with the plan and then the habits of performing the plan, that's how we reach our goals. 
key financial habits of being a doer and not just a sayer. Number one, I guess number four or five now, I don't know what I'm, where I'm at, prayer. A desire for God's glory is what separates us from Christian stewardship, from, this, from a worldly management to a spiritual management. That's where many people, many as Christians, we fail, is that it's great to have uh, a plan, a financial plan. It's great to have a goal. It's great to have good habits. But ultimately, it starts with prayer. It starts getting a direction and getting prayer for God's wisdom, for his provision, for him to be honored. Him to be honored above all else. Next thing would be tracking it. Tracking and categorizing our spending is a key to knowing where the money's going, and this enables us to control the resources. God provides so we don't waste. That he provides, and it's up to us not to waste. Tracking, and now we go to analyzing. Tracking, is, uh, tracking spending is the first step, but tracking alone won't tell us uh, where, it will tell us we're heading in the right direction, but we need to evaluate our spending against our spending plan. That's analyzing. That's saying, I've got my direction. Now I've laid it all out. I'm doing this, this, and this. And at the end of the month, I've done the, the debt snowball or the avalanche, or I've put in my, I'm looking at my spending plan. And now I've got to analyze it. Next is evaluating it. So our priorities and ultimately of our spending plan is to be flexible. Regularly evaluating before God our priorities and our non-negotiables is key to good stewardship. Next is collaborating. For those of us who are married, you know, uh, and I don't know, Mitch probably was probably the same way. I, I see him and his wife in here is that we collaborate is my house. You know, obviously I have the, I'm the, the gifted one, I will say, and my wife has her giftings. My gifting is, is one thing, and that's probably the, the financial end of the, of the household. But we collaborate. We discuss it with each other. I make sure that she knows. And uh, just more recently, um, even more so, I got concerned that she wasn't asking enough questions. I said, babe, you got to ask me more questions. You gotta, you gotta ask me where this is, where that, where's, where's our insurance, where's our, what, what's this account number, what's that? And finally, I just got to, she wasn't asking me enough questions, so I put together this whole booklet of everything, of from top to bottom, of every account, every social security, every title to the vehicles, and my kids' stuff, and the insurances, and and uh, what pays what, and where, where does this come from, and so forth, and just made her a big binder so that. Uh, God forbid, you know, uh, nothing will ever happen. But at least now she, if she wants to know something, she can go to the book. And actually, that's, that's part of collaborating in my house. I don't know how, what, what it is in your house, but that's part of collaborating. Um, regular communication. Uh, automating. Some key, some key financial habits, like um, I have used automation to help me with my goals. Okay, so... My goals and my habits, automation became a part of my habit, my habits, uh, where I may, I know how I am of getting distracted. I had three boys and I'm coaching, I'm this and that and the other, and I'm, I'm working, I'm doing church stuff, I'm doing whatever. 
So I got to where now that um, half of my things are automated, where I set up, and I, my goal was to save X amount of dollars uh, for the rest of my life. And so I made that a priority of slicing my pie. That $20 or $25 came out of my uh, account on the 15th of every month. That's automation. When my kids were uh, one years old, I started uh, a, my priority and my plan was to, when they got 18 to 20, that I would have some money for college for them. So uh, when they're one year old, I started a little college saving. It started out with uh, 15 or $20 uh, at the time. And of course, I build, build, build. And over the 20 years, uh, compound interest, things like that. And now and they end up getting scholarships and so forth. Now I had that extra money. But my point was there is that I never saw that money. I made sure my spending plan uh, and that piece of pie was cut out, my piece for the college, my piece of pie for the savings was cut out, and my piece of pie for rainy day. So I only had about, oh, 70% of my check to work with that was going to go to everything else. Habits like these keep us on track to meet our financial stewardship goals whether it's retiring debt, uh, increasing savings, paying for a college savings program, uh, giving generously. Uh, understand this, it's the long game, okay? I gave the example early on about you know, them being one and starting their, their college thing, and, and I've done that with many ways. But this is the long game. A 30-minute session reading the Bible is great, but that's not, that's not going to tell you everything, is it? Okay, so a five-minute time in prayer, well, well, it's connected with God. I mean, that's great, but it won't develop an intimacy or communication with God. Same way with, with uh, our spending and our spending plan. It can't be a one-month thing and expect it to develop into something great the end of the year or the end of 10 years or the end of 20 years. I look back now, and I've been married 25, 20, 25 years, and I don't even know where the, where the time has gone, but I was thankful that at the time it, when we first got married that we started these biblical principles of a savings plan and a goal, and we got together, as I said a, a, a minute ago, about collaborating with my wife, and we together became one and decided this is where we wanted to be, this is where our kids wanted to be, and it took us, and I just said the long game, it's taken us 25 years of discipline just to be where I am now. Look at Joseph here. We can learn a couple of things from him in Joseph's diligence. Urgency. Joseph didn't wait. Now, we, we know the story. I'm not going to go through the whole thing with Joseph. Everybody understands where Joseph, you know, the dream, interpret the dream, and the Pharaoh made him. All of a sudden, he's second in command, and he's over, over everything. Joseph didn't wait until year six of the abundance to start preparing for famine. He took it seriously from the first day and immediately implemented a plan, a spending plan, I'm going to call it, a, I'll use the, the B word, the budget, of where it needed to be over the next seven years. Uh, he implemented a program to collect the grain, store the grain, and similarly for us. It's, it was a time that when he was told, he started right then. Consistency with Joseph. Joseph just didn't collect grain when it was convenient 
or easy. He faithfully preserved and prepared all seven years, gathering and storing the grain in a time of, for the time of need. In the same way, our practices of being productive with financial habits needs to be consistent. I just mentioned earlier, we can't, it's great to have a goal and, and, and implement habits, uh, and you're doing great for the first uh, 60 days, but it, and then it falters over the next 90 through, through the next 10 years. Have to be consistent. Thoroughness. Joseph just didn't collect grain from a few areas. He collected it throughout Egypt, storing it in cities near the fields where it was harvested. Likewise, us, we need to apply the same positive habits throughout all of our finances in order to reap all of our finances in order to reap a benefit. We have to do the same way. Staying on the course. Joseph stayed on the course. When we're taking a trip, we have a GPS. A GPS can show us the direction, but a GPS cannot just consistently watch the road, watch the highway, pay attention, and steer the car and break the car. That's us. We, Joseph stayed the course. We want to be, we want to be biblically financially free. We have to start with our plan, have our goals, put in our habits, and then we, now we've got to stay the course. Similarly, having financial goals helps us define our stewardship destination. And having a working spending plan provides the direction to get there. I believe the Lord uh, gives us wisdom through his word. And I believe the Lord has a spiritual direction for each and every one of us. My life is, uh, I came from a little small town nothing, you know, in a little town in Del Mar, Alabama, and I grew up in a little area there where uh, population, that community was about 120. And we lived out in the middle of nowhere. There were no street lights. When it got dark, it was pitch dark. And the road had no lines. And the, of course, the, the grass and the trees grew right up to the road. So you, you couldn't veer off the road or else you're gonna hit a tree. And we lived out in the middle really of nowhere. And so my dad put these financial, and he came from a dirt floor. And, and so actually that was an upgrade for him. But for me, where I came from, nobody in my family had a college education. Uh, nobody in my family had ever been to college. Uh, so that was my goal from the very beginning to reach, uh, to reach college level, to go off. And of course, I was able to do that through football. And then from there, apply the same principles that God had given me uh, to reach the next level. Now, one ha one people, a lot of people ask me, and, and I apply these, just so you know, as for the church, I run the church finances and the church uh, ministry. Uh, I do these same principles here. I live by the Joseph principle. I live by, uh, we give, number one. That's pastor's goal. Our first priority is we're going to give. We're going to make a plan. We're going to give. And I plan also for the future. I plan that we're going to do this next day. And the thing with pastor, I got to be on my toes all the time because it, it, it could be, uh, you, you, you guys hear it for sometimes for the first time like I hear for the first time from the platform. We're going to give this or we're going to give that. And I'm like, okay, I, I didn't know that. But God's going to provide. God's going to make a way. But the same principles that I have outlined today is the same thing that I have used here and I use in my own life. And not only do I do that here, but 
I look for other means, and, and people ask me, well, how do, you, how do you get to where you have gotten and, and do what you're able to do and be debt-free? Well, it came by not working 40 hours a week. It, it, it didn't come by, I'll just be honest with you, and it didn't come by, uh, I didn't get a gold coin uh, or anything like that, and I didn't get someone handing me or writing me a check. My dad didn't have anything. He didn't have anything to leave me or give me. So it was up to me and my relationship with God in applying these principles to get me <clears throat> farther along. And I figured out that hard work with a plan and a goal and habits will take me to the next level. And my hard work and goals took me, helped me figure out that just working a 40-hour-a-week job when I'm 20-something years old was not going to get me to a level where I wanted to be. So I may have a job, uh, work, but, but on the weekends or something else, I'm figuring out, I'm hustling, I'm figuring out how to do real estate, I'm figuring out how to, I got certification in trading and, and things like that. I had to teach myself or get myself to the next level by doing other things. And so I just want to encourage you that today. God has a plan. Uh, God's word does work for all of us, and it will work for you. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your time and allowing me to speak.